My name is Gina Lee Belong, and our guest today is Jason's Angels. I can't wait to tell you about the incredible contribution they made to a project that Radio Pulpit was doing a while ago. But first, we're going to talk about Jason's Angels and a bit about human trafficking as well. Uh, to put it into perspective uh, to you, our listeners today, I would like to just give you a little bit of statistics that I found on an online article by Mail and Guardian. Now, please remember that I do not know how accurate this is because sometimes even our government do not report all the cases. We don't know what is true, but this in itself is very shocking. It says between December 2007 and January 2022, an estimated 11,077 human trafficking cases were reported to the SAPS. Listen, 2022... Uh, dated back to 2007, more than 11,000 human trafficking cases were reported. In September 2021, the police minister, Becky clearly told Parliament that between 2018 and 2021, only 781 South African children, or rather 781 South African children, were recorded as victims of child trafficking. Listen, this is almost 800 children between 2018 and 2021 that were victims of child trafficking. So we can go on and on about these statistics. But Jason, good morning and welcome to Elevate. It's such a crucial conversation. Good morning, Jenny Thank you very much for having me and good morning to all the listeners out there. Let's uh, start at the beginning with Jason's Angels. I know that you don't only focus on human trafficking and gender-based violence. Tell us a bit about the organization and what it is that you do. Right, thank you. So the Jason's Angels organization is a multifaceted organization where we focus on primarily its anti-human trafficking and gender-based violence. But then we also have the humanitarian side of our organization. So... Underneath the humanitarian side, uh, what we do there is we provide a support structure to non-funded GBV shelters, orphanages, and child protection facilities. Um, What I mean by that is we provide food, clothing, and then we also try and assist with operational needs. Mm -hmm. Jason, I do want to take it back a few steps to how you started this organization. We had a conversation off air with your wife, and this was truly a calling, and you sacrificed everything to um, heed to the calling of God. That's correct, yes. So I gave up my working career plus minus two years ago where we registered our NPO in an official capacity. Um, For me, and, you know, I get asked this question time and time again, you know, why? Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically when it comes to GBV, which I have a very big passion for. I feel that being a male in South Africa, it's actually my duty to stand up and protect these women and children that have, you know, fallen victim to abuse. I think that, you know, as a country, we are at a stage right now that it, we cannot allow this to get any worse. You know, there was a a study done by Anglo-America recently that has now identified South Africa as number one in the world for gender-based violence. So for me being a male, I cannot accept that. I cannot accept the fact that my wife must feel under threat when she needs to walk in the street, mm. um, you know, it's it's just not on anymore. And we cannot, as a, as a country and as many in this country, accept this anymore. We need to stand up. We need to protect the women and children. Mm. 
Jason, I read some statistics now from this article that alluded to the fact that nearly 800 children um, were victims to trafficking. Uh, I think it was within about uh, four years or so. That statistic, in your experience, how accurate do you think it is? Right, Jenna. So I think that we have to be very cautious when we when we look at stats. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in my personal opinion, those stats are very far from the truth. Um, you know, South Africa does not currently have the correct reporting structures, so that those stats that you are that you are reading there on the internet and so forth. You know, we have to question where are they coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, in personal experience. I can testify to the fact that those stats are probably not even a drop in the ocean mm. from from what we are really facing as a country. Sure. Um, you know, when I hear human trafficking, I immediately think sex trafficking. We had a conversation a few days ago on the phone and I was so upset by some of the numbers that you mentioned to me in confidence. I called my husband and I said to him, this is what is happening in our country. And he asked me, what is happening? What's actually happening to those children that are being trafficked? And my first thought was sex trafficking. But, Jason, the reality is that sex trafficking is only a portion of it. Am I right? That's right, yes. So, Jenna, if I can just take it a step back and just explain to our listeners that human trafficking process, okay, it's broken down into four steps, which is recruiting, transporting, harboring, and then lastly, receiving. So, all of this is done for one purpose, which is exploitation. So exploitation meaning to take advantage of a victim to make a profit. Mm. Okay, so you get different types of trafficking, and those are slavery. So furthermore than that is the one that you mentioned now, sexual exploitation. Then you will get certain individuals who will traffic children for the purpose of sacrificing children Mm. because of religious beliefs. Then you have blood trafficking. You have organ trafficking. Then you have trafficking that encompasses where they will take an individual and force them into committing criminal activities. And then lastly, forced marriages. Hmm. This is mind-boggling to me when I, I hear all of that. Blood trafficking, is that when they're literally taking the, the person for their blood? For medical reasons? Is it medical reasons? So it's really not a subject that I think anyone's comfortable discussing, but I will explain it to our listeners so that they understand a little bit better. So at the moment, there is a very high demand in the industry where they are targeting babies. So they will actually take a baby and they will shake a baby to create the adrenaline in the body, and then they will extract blood. That blood is then sold to potential buyers out there that believe that if they use that blood they will um, not age as fast or they will secure some form of power within themselves Mm. this is the world that we live in this is the reality talk to me about the economy of trafficking jason because you might be asking yourself why would anybody get involved in this but the reality is that this is a very big industry Right, so currently at the moment, the industry has has done a full 360-degree turn. If we go back six months ago, the market was paying plus minus 8,000 rand for a little girl, 12,000 rand for a little boy. But at the moment, they are charging or they are paying 30,000 across the board. 
Also, what we must take note of is that the human trafficking industry has now become very lucrative and has taken over the illegal firearms trade and is very close to actually superseding the drug trade. You, you almost can't believe that there is not um, some very high officials involved in this to be able to pull this off because as we are saying now, this is a very lucrative industry. You mentioned the different phases of trafficking and you're talking crossing borders, you're talking using the harbors. This must be a very, very big network. Yes, it is. Um, so there are investigations that are ongoing, which obviously I can't really reveal too much on yeah. at the moment. But within these investigations, you're looking at people within government, uh, within authoritative figures, um, corporates, common people living in our neighborhoods. Sure. Well, listeners, if you just tuned in, I am speaking to Jason, who is, of course, the founder of Jason's Angels. And this is a very sensitive conversation and perhaps not very comfortable even for you as a listener, but so important. I want you to get ready because later in the program, we're also going to give advice to listeners as to how to keep your children safe. How do we keep the community safe? Jason, you are in the position where you've been involved directly in person in many, many rescue operations. Can you talk to me about the circumstances or the conditions that you often find these victims in? Well, it's never, never, it's never ever a pleasant experience, you mm. know, especially when it involves children. But, but also on that note, remember, it's not only children, it's also adults. Okay. So we've had cases that's involved as I said, children and adults. Um, with the children, they are often promised um, different things. They're led to believe that their parents are aware of where they are and so forth. Mm. So <clears throat> you might find that a child is comfortable where they are, mm. but then you might find that they are obviously petrified because in most cases they're going to be deprived of food, uh, liquids and so forth. You know, they are, they are treated as a commodity, not as a human being. Mm. Mm. With the adults... You know, there we're talking more about sexual exploitation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had particular cases where we've seen dreadful things where women have sh been shipped around from different areas, different locations, and, and basically just used as nothing. Um, there's no value in who they are, uh, no respect for their body, um, being used, being abused by multiple men, um, and just for a financial gain. Jason, I remember when I was growing up, they used to warn us against the um, the ice cream truck in the community, that there's guys, I remember they used to say, guys from Cape Town who wants to actually um, abduct you. And uh, as a parent to a young man myself, today I'm still a bit, uh, let me not say paranoid, let me say concerned about even when he's going to the uh, mall. As a parent, you were now saying it's not just children who are victims. Should I be concerned about my 23-year-old going to the mall? It's very sad, but to answer that question directly, I would say yes. Mm. Um, but, you know, the thing is we need to open, be open and we need to engage about this topic and we need to create a lot more awareness about it. So, you know, when it comes to children specifically, we need to communicate with our children. We need to teach them what to look out for, how to behave, 
Um, and if I can just mention mm-hmm. a couple of aspects there, it's important to, to teach your children not to be open and to engage with strangers. Mm. Um, as sad as what it is, you know, it's, it's almost in the sense that we're teaching our children to be closed and, and, and to keep things towards themselves. But unfortunately, that is what, uh, what is demanded at the moment. When we look at social media and the internet, mm-hmm. they're extremely, extremely important to teach our children not to give out personal information of where they live, personal pictures of themselves, their age, their contact numbers, and so forth. Um, also, another thing is being a parent, to always communicate with your children and ensure that you always know their location. Mm. If they are going somewhere, to share that location once they've arrived there. If they are going to change from being at that location and move somewhere else to communicate with you and show the, and, and show you. Um, another suggestion is to send a pin drop, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they, when they arrive at a different location. Another very good useful tool is uh, for parents to create a password mm-hmm. um, bet- between the children and the parents. Um, myself, with my children, they know that nobody is allowed to fetch them from any location at any given time unless they know the password sure. so and th- and that counts for any friends family anybody nobody mm-hmm. is allowed to fetch them unless they know the password it's also very important that children learn their parents phone numbers mm. in this day and age you know it's too quick for us yes. to save a number in our phones and and how many cell phone numbers do we actually know besides perhaps our spouse yeah um you know and it's, it's very important that children know their parents contact numbers and also their address where they live Sure, you, you, I'm listening to you talking about the password and dropping the pin. I don't know how my kid feels about that. You know, these days, children feel like, oh, my parents, you're a nuisance. You know, I'm out chilling with my friends. I'm at the mall. I'm doing this. But the reality is that you work with us on a daily basis and sometimes we are far removed from the reality. We will continue our conversation with Jason about what that reality really is and also I'd like to find out from him whether he believes that the government is doing enough and what is it that we as the community can do as well. You know, Bazalwani, that not all of us are able to do what Jason does, to go in and actually rescue people and help them. I know it's very difficult to share these details, and I want to thank you for taking us into confidence, into your confidence today. Um, I do want to ask you, there are also some situations where parents are selling their children to these traffickers, um, and you've been in the position where you've managed to speak to such parents. What are the reasons? How do they find themselves in a position of selling their own children? Yes, Jenna, it's it's very disappointing. Um, but first and foremost, let me say that this is not an excuse and it's not a reason for parents to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we have found in cases is that there's two facets that come up here. Number one is drug addiction. And number two would be due to poverty. Mm-hmm. So with those two reasons over there, we have had cases where parents have actually attempted and I'm sure that there are many where they have sold their children to generate an income to either supply for their drug addiction or in terms of the poverty to, in order to provide for the rest of the family. Mm. When I look at uh, the available statistics and um, I look at the reported trafficking cases versus the actual convictions 
it is very, very scary. Leads me to my question. Do you think the government is doing enough? And do you think our legal system is geared and that our legislation is sufficient to ensure that we actually prosecute traffickers? So in terms of the South African law, what a lot of people don't know is that we do have one of the best legal systems in the world. In fact, there are other countries that have based their legal systems on ours. So we need to keep that in mind. And also, we do also have one of the best constitutions in the world. Mm. So again, there there are many countries who have based their, their constitution on ours. The problem with prosecuting these perpetrators is about obviously gathering the evidence on the kingpins, which is very difficult because they've always got people underneath them, mm-hmm. uh, the runners that are doing the actual physical work. And then obviously it comes down to who's going to present themselves in court as a witness. Mm. Because we are dealing with very sophisticated uh, criminal syndicates that are extremely professional and in fact are always one step ahead. So our authorities are actually playing a catch-up game all the time. Mm. And how do you get in touch with the victims? And I mean, you've even been in situations where you've gone uh, to help rescue people or um, you've managed to go and get more victims when one has managed to escape. How do you get yourself in there? I know for me right now, it's just mind boggling, as I said, as to how you do all of this. But can you just um, explain to us how do you actually manage to, first of all, catch perpetrators and secondly well you can't give us the method but a little bit of an idea and secondly um, for instance you also help with people who or with children who've been abducted how do you get yourself involved there okay so a very big element to this would be by us going out and creating awareness of what we are doing going out into communities speaking at companies schools etc we also do have uh, a social media presence so A very big element is definitely by the word of mouth. Mm. So we do get a lot of information that comes through to us from anonymous tip-offs or people just directly contacting us who have information. Um, You will also find that there are people who are actively involved in these syndicates who potentially want to get out to or contact us with information. Um, If I can just give you an example, two weeks ago we, we caught a perpetrator who was targeting young female teenage girls um, on social media platforms and once we apprehended him he gave us a lot of information on various different syndicates and so forth that were happening so when we do get a lead like that we we use all methods possible and available to us to try and obviously you know expand that network and get as much information as we can out of it now we um also have to talk about the other work that you do um, and i really hope that our listeners has gotten a lot of information out of this conversation but you also help other npos and you also helped radio pulpit during our our Visiothon, we had a Care for Our Children campaign where we um, reached out to a few organizations that Radio Pulpit have been supporting for many years and these organizations shared their needs with us and we as Radio Pulpit looked at options on how we can provide some of these needs and those included items such as winter clothes, shoes, 
formula milk, diapers, stationery for school, blankets and medicine. And of course, you came in when it came to the formula milk. We got all of these items and we distributed it. We supported other organizations. So you are basically part of this incredible network. We gave to Ilios, to the Louis Buerta Children's Home, to the Potato Foundation, to House Ibn Aizar, we also gave as well. Um, tell us about this formula milk that you donated to Radio Pulpit and why it's so important to you to support organizations such as Radio Pulpit. Oh, Jenna, that was just absolutely amazing. You know, that was the biggest project that we've done since the inception of our organization. Uh, we called that project Children's Lives Matter. We were very blessed by Green Media, um, who is a marketing company that I just want to give a shout out to Sue and Louise. Um, they have been absolutely phenomenal in their support of our organization, and without them, it wouldn't have been possible. During the course of that project, we managed to distribute, it was two and a half million rands worth of formula, uh, which impacted no less than, we estimate, around about thirty to 35,000 children. So, as you mentioned, it was formula. Uh, the intention there was to curb the, the the hunger crisis that we're facing at the moment and also malnutrition. You know, when it comes to the development stages of children between that age of one to five, it's essential that they do get the building blocks, mm. you know, for their development and, and especially with the brain development. So this particular formula, Nido, is a is a fantastic supplement uh, to that that facilitates that growth and, and stability within the child's growth. Well, we want to thank you so much for supporting Radio Pulpit and our project. But above all else, we also want to thank you for the incredible work that you do, the sacrifices that you make as a family to save lives. And thank you for coming today and being so honest with us, Jason, and just giving us a glimpse into this world that, by the way, we are not separate of. It is part of our world. I want to ask you lastly, again, just for advice for um, not just parents, as you rightfully said, we are all prone to be victims. What is your advice to listeners today when it comes to human trafficking and also GBV? I think that it's exceptionally important that we move away from that stigma in our country of not wanting to talk about these sensitive subjects. Um, Specifically when it comes to GBV, that's probably one of the biggest hurdles that we have is the reluctance to for people to speak out Mm. Uh, we have to encourage each other to be open about this and to also get into contact with organizations that are focused on these two different facets Mm -hmm. so if i could just mention a couple of those um, specifically here in pretoria you've got wayne van onslin at unchain our children and then you've got Dani van lachenberg at uh, children's hotline in Johannesburg, you've got Elmarie from Touch of Hope and then Amanda Kutsia from Kuselo Child and Youth Centre and then also Luke Lamprecht. So between these people that I've mentioned now, they are absolutely phenomenal. They have rescued and saved thousands and thousands of women and children across South Africa. And then down in the Western Cape, you've got Zona Morton. Mm-hmm. who does phenomenal work as well. So these are the people that you need to get into contact with. It's important that you save their contact details, that you have them on hand, and you share it. On social media, we need to create a lot more awareness um, around our country regarding this. You know that there are still cases that we get till this day, specifically with GBV, where women have been trapped in these relationships where they didn't know that there was help. Mm. 
And we're talking about people that have been in relationships for as long as 15 to 20 years. Mm, mm, mm. So, Jason, the need is very big out there, but you also have a need. Um, In order for Jason and his organization to continue doing what they do, they also need help. I was so shocked, family, to hear that they do not have standing monthly donors who are supporting them. They are a non-profit organization doing this incredible work. So Jason, just very um, quickly, what are those needs that you have? You're helping us, but what needs do you have and how do we help? Thanks, Jenna, for for bringing that to the table. So as Jenna mentioned, you know, we do not have any funding or sponsorship from any corporates, retailers or government. So we are desperately looking for help at this point in time because the need out there has increased dramatically. You know, the number of people, the number of organizations that are reaching out to us for help has increased. Um, At the moment, we are also battling as an organization as we don't have a vehicle. So, yeah, we're looking at any car dealerships or anybody out there that would consider um, coming on board with us. Um, It could also be a great marketing opportunity for those companies. Mm. There you have it. Very important. Jason from Jason's Angels. How do we contact you, Jason? Right. So on social media, we are on Facebook under the name Jason's Angels. On Instagram, the handle is Angels Jason's. And then my contact number that's open to the public is 078-587-6296. I'll repeat that. It's 078-587-6296.